Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. News and stuff next. So, you're feeling guilty today, huh? You know, Scripture teaches us that one aspect of the Holy Spirit's work to convict you and me of our sin. Sure. John 16, 8. The purpose is to turn us from our iniquity and direct us to God. Peter felt great remorse after denying that he knew Jesus there in Matthew 26. And Paul fell to his knees when Christ confronted him about his wrong behavior in Acts 9. Both men responded to these convicting experiences by, well, they repented. Search me, O God, and know my heart. They followed the Lord. At one time, we were all dead, spiritually dead. Sin's presence was corrupting our human nature from the inside out, blinding us to real truth, spiritual truth. With our will directed towards self and against God, we were by nature objects of wrath, according to Ephesians 2.3. In other words, we were under condemnation and facing eternal death. God's required payment for our transgressions, Romans 6.23. So in our natural state, we were unconnected to the Lord and headed toward eternal separation, hell forever. Although we were helpless to change our situation, God had a great plan that would satisfy His justice and place us in His family. Amen? He sent Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be our substitute, took our place to bear our sin and guilt and die in our place. Not only did Jesus pay our sin debt in full, but His righteousness becomes ours the moment we place our trust in Him. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our guilt before God. And thankfully, we don't have to be separated from him throughout all eternity. Let me ask you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior yet? Realizing Jesus paid your sin debt in full? If so, you ought to be rejoicing today, my friend. Recognizing that your position before Almighty God, because of Jesus Christ, has been changed from guilty to righteous. Oh, you've got to love that today in the world is going on. I don't get it, never will get it. The Senate passed a $95 billion national security supplemental package to assist Ukraine again, Israel, and the Indo-Pacific after a tedious procedural process that came at the, well, came to an end early Tuesday morning. The final vote, 70 to 29, with 22 so-called Republicans voting yes. Democrat Senate Peter Welch, Jeff Merkley, plus Independent Senator Bernie, oh, Bernie Sanders, voted no. The supplemental package doesn't include any border security provisions and comes as our national debt. Imagine you having a, you've got debt, don't you? Anyway, this thing's going to soar to $34 trillion. Unbelievable. Calls to offset the spending with cuts elsewhere went unheeded. Several Republicans spent hours since the beginning of the weekend collectively filibustering the package on the Senate floor. Senator Mike Lee there of Utah committed to filibustering the bill for four hours on Saturday. Continued on Tuesday. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're filthy rich. Let's just send money everywhere. $95 billion. Where's my gun? Well, the fake president facing increased scrutiny over his administration's providing health care administrative services now to illegal immigrants. Amid a worsening border crisis, 
potentially exasperating long wait times for American veterans utilizing the Department of Veterans Affairs facilities. Isn't that something? Tommy Tuberville there from Alabama introduced alongside Representative Mike Bost of Illinois a ban of all of this. One of the many problems he says we're facing in this country is a result of the border disaster taking place under Biden's watch and giving away veterans' money to illegals. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Speaking of the border, they're going to try it again. The House Republicans expected to hold a second vote now to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Tuesday after an initial effort seeking to do so failed last week. He's the first cabinet secretary to face charges in nearly 150 years. Hopefully they'll get it done this time. What was going on here? University of Minnesota student is alleging that staff at the Minnesota school did nothing while she suffered from an almost fatal sepsis infection for some 16 hours on the bathroom floor in her residence. Geneva Lazote filed a lawsuit against the University of Minnesota, the owner of the off-campus apartment where she lived, alleging that the defendants were negligent and breached their contract with plaintiff, allowing her infection to spread and leaving her near death. My oh my. Come on, it's world from beginning to end, right? Talking about that Super Bowl. I used to say, wow, isn't it something? A minute commercial for a Super Bowl is $100,000. Didn't that change? 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl. $7 million. Wow. What could we do in America? Relieving some of the debt, helping the homeless and the poor in America which Jesus said we'll always have with us, but we should do something about $7 million for 30 seconds. They've lost their ever-loving. And to get into that thing, $8,900 a ticket to see the Super Bowl. Did you watch any of it? I went to bed, and I'm a football fan. Yeah, this old world, she's a changing. Well, there are lots to talk about that uh, commercial, the Christian commercial during the Super Bowl, the agency behind the viral Jesus ad that played during Sunday night Super Bowl. What if they paid $7 million? Explained why it welcomes controversy surrounding that campaign after the ads drew blacklash from both the right and the left and conservative Christians, etc. He gets us. That was the name of it, a campaign that says it wants to help everyone rediscover the love story of Jesus. They organized two ad spots during the game, a 60-second one called Foot Washing. That was ridiculous. And a 15-second ad called Who Is My Neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I'll tell you what. It's so confusing out there. Who is the author of confusion? You know, he's doing a lot to spread some nonsense out there. Super Bowl ad. Christian, huh? So we have so many things on our plates today, whether it's uh, the church, whether it's politics, who's right and who's wrong. Just so many things going on. It's hard to keep up. I know a lot of seniors say this is just about impossible. And I got to tell you, it is for you and me. And my Christian friend, remember, this is not the end of all of this. It's just beginning. 
This is where the left-leaning loonies are starting. Those who persist in standing for freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom to assemble, freedom to keep and to bear arms, those people are going to be targeted. You will be hounded, boycotted, fired, ostracized, deplatformed, whatever other terms you want to, and the louder and the more significant and effective your voice is, the bigger the target is on your back. Christian, don't stop. Don't you ever, ever, ever stop standing for freedom of speech, a freedom to express yourself, a freedom to assemble, freedom to keep those guns, buy more guns and ammo, and all the rest of the stuff that goes along with the Bill of Rights. It is the American thing to do. And many say, it's going to happen. Just wait. It's going to happen. Really? Pastor Phil Stringer said this, the weakness of the conservative movement is that we are very naive about the challenges in front of us. And here comes the Hello World Challenge. Although it's currently experiencing a full frontal attack, you know this, for decades the United States of America has been under covert slow-motion assault by a revolutionary left, a religious political movement fundamentally at war with you. I mean, both Christianity and America. From the sexual revolution and the marriages legalized rape radical feminists of the 1960s to today's open love affair with socialism, sexual anarchy, abortion, oh, that's a big one, identity politics, radical environmentalism, defund the cops. The left has relentlessly pursued its goal, as Barack Obama put it, fundamentally transforming Oh, yeah, the United States of America. I was asking myself today, how much did Trump really get done in draining the swamp? And although the president fought mightily against this tide for four years in trying to drain the swamp, maybe a couple of drops came out, huh? Trump tirelessly pursued a pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-Constitution, pro-America agenda. Did he not? Help me out here. Hey, and for some of you, you think that I think that uh, God arrived on Air Force One. Never believed that for a moment. In fact, I've said before, if, if Santa Claus were doing the thing that the president was doing, I'd be for Santa Claus in this case. Doesn't matter who the person is. Just do the biblical thing or try. Or the stars fall out of the sky. You do right. I mean, is this hard to follow? But look. What the other side has done. Let's just remember what's going on here. Keep the scorecard. You versus what? It's big media. It's big tech. They're all in bed together. It's big education. It's big Hollywood. It's the entire Democratic Party totally identifying with all of this. And they have succeeded, I think so, in indicting the freest, the most welcome, the least racist nation on the face of this earth. And now, it is racist, inciting violent Marxist revolutionaries into getting so bold and standing up against what is right and decent in America, encouraging kids to irreversibly ruin their lives by chemically and sometimes surgically transitioning, going to the opposite sex, gaslighting an entire nation by perpetrating the most wide-ranging, the most egregious, the most well, in your face, election fraud in the history of America, anyway. 
while pretending that disenfranchised American voters who simply want a fair and impartial investigation are just nuts. You are just crazy. You are a radical. We need to lock you up. And good grief, this is just the start. America's once great middle class becomes crushed by the demonic leanings and things that they're doing in Washington. It's just scary. And uh, in addition to that, a wealthy and privileged globalist elite is not only growing richer and more powerful every day, but they are strategically deploying COVID as a pretext for engineering what they call the Great Reset of the World, replacing capitalism with socialism. It's not a conspiracy theory, nor partisan conjecture. You Christians aren't nuts. The Reset Movement, their leaders, openly brag about what they're doing. So now comes the big question. With such genuine wickedness openly coming to America in the land of the free, it really comes to light there in the Bible. The Apostle Paul's admonition about powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. What can good Americans do about this in our country? During this time of genuine tribulation and persecution, how should moral, right-thinking people just like you, who work hard, love America, honor its history, obey the laws, and don't pretend there are dozens of new genders and that America is a despicable, racist hellhole? Isn't that what they're saying? How do you respond? That is something to pray about, my friend. While keeping in mind, God is in control. There's something going on there. You and I need to pay very close attention. Stick to the book. Read it more than ever. Pray more than ever in difficult times like these. Yep, we knew they were coming. They're here. Is it the end? That's a good question. I do know this, and you do too. For evil to triumph, good people, men and women just like you, do nothing. And unfortunately, many do nothing because they feel they can do so little. Everybody can do something. And finally, thoughts from here, there, and everywhere, including who said that? A lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. Evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority. Booker T. Washington this one will put a chill up your spine. If Democrats are willing to cause such destruction in the pursuit of power, just imagine what they'll do if they obtain it. President Trump. Here's one from you. Find yourself a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church and get in it now. You're going to need it in the days ahead more than ever. You don't have to be great to, at something to start. We've already talked about this, right? We will in the devotion today. But you have to start to be great at something. Zig Ziglar. Trust in yourself with all your... What? Where's my Bible? Life 101, right after this. So, many exciting things going on. Heading to Tampa, Florida today or so here. And then we're going to be in Tennessee a lot in Virginia. Looking forward to the opportunity to minister the Word of God on the radio, in person, in the church. Maybe to you personally. Make sure you stop by the radio station during share and visit. Say hi. Let's just get together if we can. So glad that God has granted us the privilege of having so many friends via Hello World. 
Oh, it's great to have friends everywhere, and we've got a bunch of them in Virginia, Tennessee, and that area. Thank you so much just for being there. Continue to pray for our church, The Cross, Greg Patton Ministries, this radio program. Such a blessing to have you on board. Why not take time out today and read Psalm 40? Yeah. Guilt. Got some? Comes from a feeling of responsibility for some wrongdoing. Certain convictions come from the Holy Spirit's efforts to turn you away from that thing and guide you to the Heavenly Father. But not all guilt stems from ungodly actions. False guilt, you heard of that? Which is not prompted by sin can surface for well, a variety of reasons in your life and mine, such as disappointment in one's own performance, I could have done better, a sense of shame maybe over past events in your life, or criticism by others for unmet expectations, rejection, or a pattern of abuse from childhood can also trigger this emotion, give ground to Satan and his demons. False guilt is a powerful weapon the enemy uses to direct your thoughts away from God today. Whether false or real, the emotion of guilt divides your mind, it drains your enemy, I'm so tired here, and creates a sense of insecurity. Now, if it's allowed to hang around, you can start having doubts about God's goodness and God's love for you. And depression, that's a biggie among many Christians, and hopelessness can follow. To cope, some people develop compulsive behaviors in this attempt to replace self-reproach with something pleasurable. Excessive amounts of shopping, eating too much, television, lots of television, the internet, stick to your cell phone constantly, lots of physical activity. Those are common ways people try to push away any self-condemning thoughts and turn away from God. Did you know that? Hey, dealing quickly with guilt is very important. Acknowledge the emotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Identify the reason behind this thing in your life. If you violated the law of God, ask his forgiveness. Take steps to change the behavior. If you discover false guilt, confess it and ask God to adjust that thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, one of the greatest verses in the Bible, Proverbs 23, 7. Get your thinking in line with God. Have the mind of Christ today. In either case, praise him because, hey, he's promised to forgive his children's sin and to remove all of that guilt. And remember the devil and his demons? They're liars. Hey, let me head in another direction for a minute or two. Well, Christian, are you pretty good at what you do? I've told people that I can do radio and television with my eyes closed. I mean, since 12 years of age, I have been excited about being on stage or being in front of a microphone or standing in the pulpit. I pretty much know what I'm doing and what my capacity is in every year. How about you? I mean, I am really... Remember Peter? Peter was a professional fisherman, was he not? And I mean, he knew how to gauge weather conditions. I mean, he'd put the Bassmasters to shame. He knew where to find the best places to fish and when you just call it quits. I love fishing, by the way. How about you? And because of Peter's expertise, he may have silently questioned the reasonableness. Can we use that word? Reasonableness of Jesus' instruction to him. Why let down the nets when an experienced team of fishermen who knew exactly what they were doing, they were experts, they hadn't caught anything all night. How foolish to obey God in this one. And what does God know about catching fish? 
Book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, good reading for you and me, starting at verse 23, 24. Let not the wise boast in their wisdom, those abilities you have. Don't let the strong boast in their strength. Think you're tough, huh? Don't let the rich boast in their monies, but let the one who boasts boast about this. There's something you can boast about, that they have the understanding to know me, God says, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on the face of this old earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. How does that sound? Sometimes God asks his children to act in ways that appear just unreasonable. You following that one, my friend? Sure you are. His request might involve leaving a job or a ministry that he provided for you only recently. What? Taking on more responsibility? When life is already overwhelming you, your life is overloaded, I can't do anything else. Maybe accepting that job or that assignment that seems better suited for this guy over here because he's got a different skill set. I think he or she could do it better. Perhaps God's plan makes no sense at all in view of how old are you anyway, and makes no sense at all because you don't have any money. It makes no sense at all because you have what kind of a health condition? Yet because of the one who asks, it will be absolutely right. I mean, absolutely the thing to do. It would be what God wants for you, my friend. How about well, one of everyone's favorites, including mine, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, there it is, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. How you doing? In all thy ways, acknowledge him, God, and what will he do? Direct your path. You see, you and I have a problem. We're flesh and spirit, and we know stuff. We're good at stuff. We're gifted in this area or that area. So I know I can't do this, and here's the deal. We have to decide whether to do what is sensible by human standards or to obey God. The Bible talks about many people who had to make a choice in life. Remember Abraham? Come on, you do. He was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. Noah was told to build an ark on dry land because a flood was coming. What is rain? Joshua was given a military strategy of marching around Jericho instead of attacking at Joshua 6. Gideon, the inexperienced fighter, was told to send most of his warriors home before the battle. What kind of a strategy is that? Can you imagine you or I coming into that situation? This is crazy. Judges chapter 7. But here's, here's the key. They all obeyed, and they all experienced God's power, and it was released on their behalf. So don't let human logic dictate whether you follow God's plan today or not. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in him as Peter and all of these other faithful believers in the Word of God did. Trust and obey. And finally, the businessman's business was just failing miserably. What to do, what to do. The pastor intervened, said, hey, God's got an answer for you. I want you to take your Bible. I want you to go outside as the wind blows. Let the pages of your Bible ruffle around there, and wherever it stops, you look down, and that's God's Word for you today. Wasn't all that much later. There he is in his brand new Mercedes. Bought a new car. 
car, all kinds. The pastor said, you did it. You took my advice. What did God show you? He said, I did just as you said. That Bible stopped right at chapter 11. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm Greg Patton. I've had my say for another day as usual. Tell a friend about the broadcast. Join me on Facebook, Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E. We'll keep it together here. And that's the way it is for Tuesday, February the 13th, 2024. I pray you have a wonderful Tuesday.